one of my great values, and I also know it's held here, is actually um, is mutual submission, which is actually mutual benefit. Um, submission's a word we need to get back into a positive frame uh, in our Christian thinking because it's been lost in fear. And once you, once you know it's got clouded with fear, you know it's not God who's, who's actually clouded it because God doesn't do a spirit of fear. He hasn't given us a spirit of fear. So, and I'm on a bit of a mission to get that godly word back into our godly vocabulary by a godly understanding of it. And um, so I think mutual submission is a voluntary placing yourself where you're going to benefit from what others have got to give you and humbly taking it and then making it useful in your own environment. And none of us stand alone and none of us have got it all. We all need to keep on learning and benefiting from one another. And that's me mutual, okay? So I, I'm always delighted to come here and uh, happily work with you guys. I had a great day yesterday. I enjoyed myself and I'm going to try and take you on from there. I've got a lot going on in my brain and I'm just going to try and make sure I edit appropriately so I fit and try and land on time. But, um, and uh, so, um, if you don't know me, um, I'm part of the leadership of a church called Eastgate, um, which is just outside London, southeast London, and it's actually in the newest city in the UK called Ebbsfleet Garden City. And we, as a church, have the privilege of having uh, the prime worship and community facility in this new city that's literally, literally, quite literally being built around us. So we just look out the windows of our auditorium and there's new houses just popping up and going like crazy. It's an interesting place to be. Primary school's being built at this moment opposite us, directly opposite us, and there's a lot going on. Um, and uh, now we started our lives uh, as a church with 25 of us, thanks very much, uh, adults, 10 kids in a, a village, and we decided that actually we wanted to be a blessing to the world around us, so we blessed our village um, and grew in that context and grew to about church for about 200 in a, in a village. Now, our village, when our village, it's got 6,000 people in it, so that's a big village. It's, it's more like a small town in some ways, but it was definitely a village um, where we were actually given the opportunity to regenerate the whole social life of the village as well. The, the village authorities came to us and asked us to regenerate the, the whole social life of the village, which we did, and then gave it back to the village, and that continues to this day. And then... Moving on from that, we were working with various villages, but in 2004, God gave us an unusual prophecy in probably one of the most challenging moments, leadership moments of our church history. Um, we were trying to get our own building, we had a great project, and all of a sudden it, it literally disappeared overnight, and we'd already saved a half a million pounds for this and got the church very excited about it, and I was not happy. Uh, I, I felt, felt somewhat aggrieved and not happy with God, and he and I had words. <laughs> and uh, I was stomping my foot, and he and I have words. And, and, um, but I, I always have a default mechanism where I get to the end, end, of, end of stomping my feet and having a... <clears throat> I, my, my, I get to the place where I said, okay, God, I, I trust you. I don't understand, I trust you. And, and you will work all things for good those who love you and cook now and that's true but I've also actually understood something else upon that, that that actually God is is the God of more than you ask or imagine so he wants to give you more than you ask or imagine so the problem is sometimes that that what we imagine we hold on to so strongly that we miss the thing that he's given us that is more than you have imagined Do you know, and I see some people miss what God is doing because they 
they are so determined, but God told me this. And I've imagined it, I've been imagining it, I've been visioning it for years. And then he gives you that and say, that's not it. That is not it. This is not what you promised me. Do you, know, you can hold on to the a promise of God so much so that when he gives you something more than you after imagined, you don't see it. And you remain aggrieved at him not giving you that. So, as an illustration, I'm not going to do this to you, so just... Um, but imagine I was offering you a five-pound note. Can you visualize a five-pound note? I know you have funny money up here compared to... <laughs> <laughs> it's still, it, 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 persuading people in England to take Scottish money is, is, is a challenge but they, what's that I say it's, it's genuine money it really is genuine money it might not look like it but it's genuine money so anyway what colour is a five pound note up here blue oh same thing it's, it's the same oh, how about that okay so in your mind you, you see this, this thing coming your way that I'm handing to you and you know it's blue it's got a number five on it you can see it and when, when I, get, I, go into, I go into my pocket and, and, and expectations are rising in you, and I, I put this thing in front of you think, that's not it. That's not blue. Hasn't got a five on it. It's brown. It's got 20 on it. You didn't promise me that. The ability to recognize when he gives you more than you asked or imagined. So two weeks after we'd had this major me and God rent, he then gave me a prophecy that he was going to place us at the east gate to the city. Now we are happy existing in village life and would have continued to happily exist if he'd given us that. Do you understand? We would have not known any different. We would, we would have been satisfied with the, that which we had imagined. But God, if you're faithful with a little, he'll give you more than yeah, so he's, he's always a God of more. And so having, having been faithful with the village, he then actually literally has given us a city. But if we'd held out for the five pound note, we would have missed the 20. And that's confusing. Now, there, there's other things, and I've been thinking, a lot, a lot of stuff I've been thinking through recently, which is, um, I've, I've been particularly, I've done, I've done a series at Eastgate working on why God doesn't answer our prayers. It's a very positive subject. Because <laughs> what I've got, I've got a little bit, what's the right word? Stirred would probably be a polite way of putting it. Stirred is a good way of putting it. Of, by people coming up with answers as to why something doesn't happen that are not biblical and I think are a cop-out. In all honesty. So, so, so a one that, that front, fronts every one of us is why doesn't everybody get healed? Anybody got any questions around that? Yeah, I've got some questions around that. Why don't they get healed? Uh, well, we come up with all sorts of reasons. And is it disappointing? It is. Is it going on here at the moment? Going on in Eastgate? Yeah, we have a really, really successful healing centre, and great guys for doing. Um, and our healing centre has now been accepted as a complementary service alongside the National Health Service. How about that? That's a big deal. <laughs> That's a great deal. You, you guys can head towards that if you want. 
Um, just like, thank you for your, all your support with Heaven in Healthcare. It's going crazy. It's keeping my brain a buzzing. And my brain's pretty fast as it is, but I'm struggling to keep up with God. So within the last five months, we've gone from actually trying to get a few things off the ground within the UK to actually now looking at expressing Heaven in Healthcare to, to change the, the health delivery systems in nations across three continents of the world. Keeping me busy, happily busy, because it's a bit of love. Because I, I love medicine and I love the miraculous. I love the kingdom of heaven, and I know you've got this place. I just like to say, medicine is a gift from God. Have any of you seen the Sean Bolt's prophecy about that? If not, you need to get it. I haven't got time to go into it. All right, you need to see it. Basically, it's an extraordinary prophecy where he's talking about the medical world being, being the, the place of breakthroughs for the eradication of disease through research and stuff like that. You seen it? It talks about the Father's heart. The Father's heart is, medicine is an expression of the Father's heart on earth because it's directly aligned with the purposes of heaven. Anyway, that's a distraction. Once I get going there, I won't. So, so let, me re- let me read out a verse to you, okay? James chapter one. Okay, it's a great verse. Really, really encouraging. A couple of verses. Okay, this is, this is my test my eyesight Bible. <laughs> I've got to get myself a bigger NIV. I've got the, a big NLT, but... So, uh, I used to have one of the big study ones. It's always tricky to carry around, so I carry this around there. I'm not sure this is a great idea, but... James chapter 1, verse uh, 5 says, If any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. Is that a great promise? So if you lack wisdom, now I think you can apply that to anything, not just wisdom. So if you lack wisdom, ask God and God will give it to you in a generous measure and without finding fault. So by grace, basically, you don't have to qualify for the gift. He'll give it to you and he'll give you generously. That's good. Let's read on. Okay. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. Not so fun. You've got it. This is the exact same. So, ask and you're going to get it. Ask wrong, you don't get it. it this is, what I'm telling you is the Bible does give you explanation of why you don't get what you ask for. Now, I've not got time to go into the whole depth of this with you because I've been studying this for months and I've got a whole list. So, so another one I'm saying to Teresa, there's, there's a great one in, in, about um, if you, husbands, if you don't treat your wives properly, it, it will hinder your prayers. Yeah. What, really? Yeah. Wow. Now, that's, you know, there's a, <coughs> elsewhere, actually, it says um, in Galatians, actually, if you practice a sinful lifestyle, you won't inherit the kingdom. It's in Galatians 5. What does that mean? It doesn't mean, you won't, it doesn't mean you lose your salvation. It's actually the kingdom. You won't see the fullness of the kingdom being expressed. How you live actually counts, is what I'm saying. What you, how you believe counts is probably your number one. So if you just dissect this one, when it says don't doubt, you don't think, because people then get worried about what they don't doubt, or what they should doubt, or can't doubt, or... No, 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 no. 
And once you start worrying, you know you're in the wrong place. So, so, I don't want to doubt, but I don't know what I'm not supposed to doubt about. I, really, I think it tells you quite clearly, it's God gives generously without finding fault. If you doubt that, you will be double-minded. Because he gives without you qualifying for it, generously. But if you err into, yes, but I want to contribute to my worthiness, somehow he needs my performance for that to become real, then what you'll do is you'll flick flack backwards and forwards between grace and works, and you'll get so dizzy in doing it that you'll miss the answer that sits over here. You won't receive it. Not that it's not there, available. It's just you don't get to receive it. You don't get it by works. You get it by... You've got a living grace. And one of the greatest challenges of Christianity is staying living in grace because the devil is always going to try and take you back into the slavery and works, which is one of the things we were looking at yesterday. Okay. So, here's another verse. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Okay. <clears throat> your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. That's good. whoop doo You should look happier. This is, this is. You know what's coming next, don't you? So I've got you. When your eye <coughs> is good, when your eye is actually focused on the good stuff, it actually not just, oh, it's nice in your eyes, it actually infuses your whole body. It's basically saying, what it's saying is what impacts your thinking? It's what's the input into to this bit of me. And if that's good, then light will flow. It, the prime... Well, I haven't got time to go there, but... <clears throat> You're transformed into the likeness of Jesus by the renewing of your mind. How you think is good. When you're born again, your spirit becomes perfect and holy. And it's in constant communion with Holy Spirit. So there is literally the spiritual part of you which is already heavenly. Heaven actually exists inside, and it's actually the essence of my being because it's spiritual. So my spirit is now in eternal reality. My spirit was dead, now it's alive. What life have I got? Eternal life. And, and spirit's never going to die again. And it's in constant communion with the Holy Spirit. This, this, is, this, is, this is my spiritual reality. And Jesus said, actually, that when you believe, if you come to him and believe, he'll give you a river of living water that will flow out of you. And he explains, it says, by this he meant the Holy Spirit. So he's quite clear that the Holy Spirit inside you is meant to be something that flows through you and out of you and will change the world around you. Because wherever the river flows, there is life. And it's for the healing of the nations. So, so inside you, you have a source of life that if it could flow out of you unhindered, would create heaven around you. 
That's it's simple, isn't it? Why isn't that happening? Because we've got hindrances. Where's my bottle of water? I'm just going to use this illustration a bit. Here we go. Nice bottle of water. Nice, pure Highland spring water. Now, I want you to imagine, because I've just taken a little sip out of that. It's nice water. I want you to imagine that I dropped just a little bit of poo in there. Just a little bit, not much. Just, just, no, no, shake it up. And I've still got 99.5% pure water. So, would you fancy a drink? <laughs> What's wrong with you? There's hardly anything wrong with it, hardly anything. It's nearly, com nearly completely pure. <laughs> You're not going to drink? No. See, this is the problem of contamination. If your eye is full of darkness, or your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. How much darkness do we let contaminate? And then it goes on, and this is something I just I was landed on within the last month or so. The next bit of the verse is, if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. So if you mistake something and you think you're giving out light, but actually it's dark, what it's saying is you won't change the darkness around you. It will remain very dark. That make this, it's not just about what you're filled with. You know, how many of you think there is darkness in the world? Well, here's a very, very simple scientific question. Why is it dark? Because it's no light. See, darkness has no power over light. Darkness is only there because of the absence of light. What was the first thing God created? Light. And there was light. What happens if... <coughs> so... Imagine you go home this evening, it's dark in your house, and you go, dark. Our house is really dark. You don't understand how dark my house is. It is so, so dark in my house. That's right. <laughs> so you go, you're, you're absolutely, you got the right answer. See, so it is so dark, and, I'm, and I stomp around, and, and, I go, and every room in this house is dark. You would not believe how dark my house is. Now, I think anybody listening on, like my little friend over there, is, is, is that, you're a bit crazy. What? Has not electricity reached your part of Scotland yet? <laughs> or is, is there a... Because to the, the normal mind, you're thinking, really, there's a switch on the... You know, it's quite a simple little solution to that. You just do that little thing and boom, there's light. And I don't think, and there's not suddenly a battle going on halfway across the room. You know, who's going to win? Who's gonna, it, light always overcomes darkness. But if we are giving out, and I'm talking about this in spiritual, if we're giving out spiritual darkness and we think it's light, we will, we will be deceived and we will be confused because it won't change a thing. So how good is Christianity at giving out darkness? Guilt, shame, condemnation? 
fear? How good is it accommodating stuff like anxiety? Dementia. I'm throwing that out. My dad has dementia. It's up close and personal. I hate dementia with a passion, but I'm refusing to accept it as an, as a, a, an inevitable consequence of old age. Yeah. It is not. It's an aspect of darkness that somehow our light has not penetrated. The, so when you look at something that's dark, the problem is not that it's dark, it's somehow our light has not extended to the area of life. So what's the solution? Well, it's dark. You need to understand how dark it is. No, I don't need to understand how dark it is. I need to understand why the light's not reached there. Who's the light of the world? Cop-out answer, I'm afraid. <laughs> Jesus is the light of the world, but he's not here anymore. We are the light of the Because, now, I'm, I'm just, I set you up for that one because it's the common answer, and it is true. Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Is he here? Well, yes, in one sense, but not Percy. Where is he present right now by his spirit? Here. Is the light of the world inhabiting me? Yes. Why isn't he shining out? Well, somehow something's covering the light. Yeah? Sit, you know, light up on the hill, it'll be shown. But if you cover your light, it doesn't shine. That's what the Bible says. So my question is, what covers our light so it doesn't shine? If we can answer those questions, then we'll see the world changed. But if we, if we keep on thinking, okay, well, we're, we're doing the same old thing. It's not working. Well, ask a It's not working. Was it Einstein said? That's the definition of insanity. Keep on doing the same thing and expect a different result. You know, and sometimes the, the world looks at us and thinks, yeah, they're insane. Not in a good way. They don't make sense. And they don't necessarily look to us to light the way. So they look to different things. Other, other, other forms of enlightenment. People are searching for them. So, anyway, I was thinking a lot of this stuff through recently, and I was not sure I was managing to communicate very well what I was trying to get across to Eastgate as I was preaching to them about this sort of stuff. So I said to God, I need some help. He said, yes, you do. He said, so I want to give you help. I said, he told me to study the River Thames. Now, the River Thames is actually um, really close to Eastgate. We're, we're half a mile south of the River Thames, and it's a river that I'm very familiar with because I've lived uh, near London for most of my life. Um, I was born in 1958, and uh, so we used to go up to London. Um, so God told me to study the River Thames. Now, I want to share this with you, and I shared it with you one leadership team yesterday, and then actually chatting with Andy last night, I want to put this out there because I want you to go on a, an adventure of discovering what this is all about. I'm not going to have time to deal with it all. I've been taking Eastgate through this for months um, and stuff. If you want to catch some of our messages on, the, on that, you can. Um, you'll probably find most of it in the sermon I did called um, Equal But Different. Um, but anyway, so this is the story of the River Thames, okay? So... <clears throat> Um, and this is a, 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 
an article in uh, the Telegraph newspaper um, in 2010. So this is a journalist, and he says he's, he's basically standing uh, by the River Thames in a place called Barking in East London. And this is what he says. It was in, near this spot in 1878 that more than 600 passengers on the steamship Princess Alice died when the pleasure boat sank in a collision. As they swam towards the safety of the shore, the passengers were overcome by the noxious cocktail of pollution in the water. So get this. So there was a crash, 600 people on board this steamship. They weren't killed in the collision, most of them. They got into the water. Now, the Thames is actually not a very wide river. So, so to, you know, to swim to the nearest bank would be no more than probably 30 yards. Not one of them made it. Why? Because the, 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 the river was so polluted, it, it didn't carry life, it actually carried death. Not one person made it the 30 yards to the bank of the River Thames. The River Thames has its source up in the Cotswolds, in, you know, and when it comes out of the ground, it's actually pure. What, what's the problem? It's got contaminated. People are littering it. That's right. It's and they're they're polluting it, aren't they? In 1957, okay, the year before I was born, the pollution levels became so bad that the River Thames Thames was declared biologically dead. The amount of oxygen in the water fell so low that no life could survive, and the mud reeked of rotten eggs. So, now we were talking about this yesterday, and. Um, I'm sorry, I was born in 1958, so the, the year after the Thames was declared dead, I was born. And my experience and expectation of the River Thames was it was dead. And you knew there were no fish there, and you certainly didn't want to swim in it. That, that was just, just a given. And um, <coughs> And there was one... On one day, when I was in a teenager, I don't know when, and Andy, we're talking about this, Andy remembers the same day, because living in Birmingham, it was obviously hit national news. There was one day, somewhere probably in, in the early 1970s, there was a, the news came through that some fish had been seen in the River Thames near London. And we went, no. Fish? Nah. What? In the Thames? London? It doesn't happen. <coughs> okay. 2010. It says the Thames has become a very different place. It teems with life. 125 species of fish swim beneath its surface. 125 species. This is nine years ago. Coming up ten years ago. <coughs> While more than 400 species of invertebrates live in the mud, water, and riverbanks, waterfowl, waders, and seabirds feed off the rich pickings in the water, while seals, dolphins, and even otters are regularly spotted between the riverbanks where it meanders through London. Environmental officials now say the Thames is the cleanest it has been in more than 150 years, and nearly 400 habitats have now been created to allow wildlife back into the river. Back in Barking, the evidence of this recolonization of the Thames is all around. The water itself still looks murky due to the large quantities of silt and mud the water carries downstream. But it now supports a huge diversity of fish, juvenile sea bass 
until, until recently never seen before in the Thames, now fill the creeks that feed into the Thames, while flounder of flat, flat fish, flounder of flat fish, have returned in ever-growing numbers. Adult salmon have been reported migrating up the river. Now, if you told me that the Thames was going to become a salmon river, I would tell you you were crazy. That is, that is beyond what I'd ask or imagine of it. There was no way the Thames is going to be a salmon river. Above the water too, there's birds, there's kingfishers flying around. It's, you know, it goes on and on and on. Um, <coughs> and there's a bird watcher, um, that they report, you know, just a local guy. And this is his quote when he goes out, he walks around the area very, um, on a regular basis. He says, I seldom go out with getting a bit of a surprise. You can hear the clank of metal from the scrap yards nearby in the planes at City Airport. So it's not necessarily a haven of peace and quiet, but it's definitely a wildlife haven. Wouldn't it be good if, if whenever you went out on, on your daily life, you were in for a bit of a surprise of how much life you carry, how much life is in your river? Wouldn't it be wonderful if the people around you say, hey, what, what, what bit of life are you carrying today? Healing, miracles, wisdom from heaven, creative solutions, all, all that stuff. The, you know, the kingdom is literally without limit. How much life do you think you can carry? Rare species of wildlife are also making surprise appearances. Water voles are critically endangered across much of the country. But at Thamesmead, Thamesmead is a swear word down that way. Just a mile upstream from Barking, the tiny aquatic creatures are thriving. Regular flashes of blue and green can also be seen on many stretches of river, such as by Dartford Creek, revealing the presence of kingfishers in surprising numbers. It's beautiful. Now, this, is, this is the River Thames, which I knew didn't carry any life whatsoever. What's transformed it? Now, this is the question. So, what has transformed it? How has it got transformed? And it goes on to, to say that... Um, this is... The, this is some of the authorities, they say that improving the water quality is only half of the battle, though. Because once you've got some poo in there, it's a bit trickier to get it out again. It's much easier to contaminate it than purify it, in one sense. Although God's pretty good at the purification process. He's very good at the instant fix on purity. But <coughs> Improving the water quality is only half the battle, though, explains Antonia Scar, a senior marine advisor with the Environment Agency, we have had to create the habitats to allow the plants, fish and wildlife to move into. If you look along a lot of the River Thames as it passes through London, it is lined with concrete and pilings. Water can't get into these and so there is no way plants can get a foothold. The Environment Agency, along with local authorities along the Thames, have now set about removing many of these old concrete barriers that contain the rivers. Instead, they've been building up mud banks and allowing reed beds to take hold. Now, what I'm telling you is that, that there's been a, an absolute deliberation right across the board to clean the river up and not just clean it up but then to create habitats where life can start to flourish now what I want to tell you is this is a picture of the kingdom of heaven it's also a picture of church because what I think it's saying is it, it's great you've got to clean your clean <laughs> clean the water up and there's stuff that pollute it that I haven't got time to go into, I, but I, I, that's going to be your study from now on, and I'll, I'll give you some notes on it if you want, which is a bit of a 
promise for me because I don't do notes, but it will be. Um, we need to create churches where the river of life can flow, where different habitats and different species will start. To, and your church will be one of them, but it won't be the only one. But what I do know, that if you get your river cleaned up and you create a habitat where life can grow, other people will start to go, blame me, you've got fish in the river. How did you do that? No, that, that doesn't exist in the church. That doesn't happen. We don't have that. Didn't no fish in this river. You don't expect any fish. We have dolphins in Gravesend now. Beluga whale recently. It keeps on growing. Dolphins. Seen regularly. Where we live. Salmon, dolphins, no, no. You'd have to go to exotic places, not Gravesend, to see that. No. Oh, you have to go to Hillsongs to see that sort of stuff, or maybe Bethel, or some swanky church. Some exotic place. Not, 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 not Glasgow. Or Hope Church. Now, you've already got some life going, right? So not, but are you living in the fullness of life? So, who cleaned up the river? The answer is everybody. See, if you, could, if you keep pollute your bit of the river, the river's polluted. It was an absolute communal everybody takes. This is a problem that we have, and we've all got responsibility for cleaning the river and creating habitats where the life of God can flow in full measure. So how many of you are aware of the problem in our oceans right now? Plastic. You've seen the documentaries? It's, 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 it's a worldwide phenomenon. How many of you think you haven't contributed to the pollution in our oceans? I don't think, I can't, I don't think there's any one of us who can, can say, not me, I, I, I played no part in that. Plastic straws, plastic bags, every one of us. Okay, so what do we do? We all stop using the plastic straws. Do you, do you, what I want to say to you, if, this, is, this is probably the take-home message I want you to get. Who's responsible for life in this church? Well, him. He started it, it's his fault. <laughs> it all comes down to me. Oh, well, elders, got three elders. Oh, can't blame them, we'll find. Well, there's somebody around here to blame. No, the kingdom of heaven doesn't have a blame culture. It doesn't have a point the finger culture. It has, I'm going to change the world culture. And I am significant. Your gift, your unique calling, is part of the diversity of wildlife in the river. You are so significant. Without you, it's not being fully expressed. And without your determination to make sure that the river isn't contaminated, life will be affected because it doesn't just affect you, it affects all around you. If you put some poo in the water supply, everybody suffers.
church is a body. It's a beautiful body. It's the body of Christ. Every member significant, everyone with a different gift, but everyone with the same Holy Spirit. Everyone with the same source. Everyone with the purest source available. He's called the Holy Spirit. He is inside you. The potential of your life is literally beyond measure, and it's up to you whether you're going to realize it. I get fed up with people who blame other people for not realizing the potential of their Christian life. There is nobody stopping you being the full Christian that you're meant to be. And if you put that all together, you will have a glorious church. Isn't that beautiful? And then people will come and say, they've got dolphins playing in that river. Who'd believe it? You never thought it, would you? They don't have cancer in that church. Eastgate has not had a cancer death that I can recall in the last five years. We've had people with cancer that I cannot recall, and I've been asking around in the last five years, and we are a church of eight or 900 people. None of us can recall a cancer death in Eastgate in the last five years. I thought, wow. You know what that means? Is actually we're not celebrating some more spectacular healings. <laughs> I'm really happy about that. <laughs> really spectacular healings usually mean really spectacular illness. And I prefer not to have the illness in the first place because that's not what the river supplies. Just want to just you're going to have to work this stuff out. I've just painted a picture for you. And I want to ask you to stand. Not in coercion. Because I know you'll stand because I ask you to. That's what you do at the end of a sermon. And I want to pray for you. I'm not asking anything of you. Because I know who the Holy Spirit is. And I know if you ask for him, he will come to you. All you've got to do is simply believe, not strive. And there is a greater measure of life for you to experience and to distribute. I just want to ask you, in your heart and mind, whether you want to sign up for that right now. I'm standing over the grill to keep warm. <laughs> Jesus, how amazing you are. Thank you, you demonstrated how to live the fullness of Christian life. And you didn't leave us alone. You sent Holy Spirit to be inside us. I, said, I acknowledge the perfect source within me uncontaminated pure river at the source of my very being and I choose to do the hard work of decontaminating my mind my behavior from unbelief from other things so that this river can flow and the fullness of life can be expressed in me and through me. In us 
and through us. Father, thank you I don't stand alone. I'm part of a body. Being part of a body gives you responsibility. So I, I'm saying this for me. And I, Father, I, I choose to carry the responsibility of being part of a body. Play my part with my gift to the fullness of the ability that you place within me. Hallelujah. Father, I bless this church. Thank you for it. And I pray that in years to come, they will be so surprised by the more than they can ask or imagine that you will release in them and through them. That they will become a light in this city of Glasgow that will draw people and draw nations to the brightness of your rising. Amen.